thanks for listening to this sermon from Cedar Springs Church. We know life is busy and it's easy to get caught up running in so many directions. At Cedar Springs, we see you and we're with you. We also understand the feeling inside of you for something deeper. In fact, we believe God created us for those deeper things and we want to help you discover them. We want to introduce you to a life lived deeply with God and with others. If you're not already, we invite you to visit us during one of our Sunday worship services. We are all working toward taking our next step to move into deeper faith and community. So come, take your next step with us. We don't want you to settle for life as normal because you were made to live deeply. Good morning, and it's good to see you. If you're new with us, my name is James Forsyth, and we're just glad to have this time together. There's all kinds of things we could be doing on a Sunday morning, and we believe that none of them are better for us than, than being right here in this place, worshiping together, now spending some time in God's Word together. And we trust that you'll leave here feeling that, feeling that it was good to have been here today. I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 7. This is the penultimate week in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And throughout this series, Jesus has addressed a whole wide variety of different topics and, and issues. And now he returns as he nears the end of the sermon to the topic of prayer, a topic he has addressed already in the series, but a topic that he returns to now. Instructive for us, is it not, that he himself Himself would so emphasize the spiritual discipline of prayer. It is the, the bedrock of so much of our uh, relationship with the Lord and the bedrock of what it means to live a life uh, deeply in relationship with him. So let's give our attention to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. I'll read through to the end of verse 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. Friends, this is the gospel of Christ. Father, as we come to this section of your word, we pray that your spirit would make our slow hearts and minds alive to the, the beauty of your grace and that uh, you would bring change to us, that we wouldn't leave here just knowing a little more, but would leave here knowing you a little more and that our lives will be different because of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A question as we start this sermon on prayer, if you could ask God for anything, anything at all, what would you ask him for? Christmas is a coming. You can ask for anything, anything at all. What would you ask him for? Maybe it would be something grand and global, peace in the Middle East, an end to hunger and disease. Perhaps that all the nations would come to know Jesus. Perhaps this morning your heart isn't thinking of the grand and global, but is thinking about 
the intimate and personal. Perhaps your prayer would be that your spouse would stop drinking. That God would help you with your depression. That God would help you in your infertility. That God would bring your own children back to the Lord. Maybe your heart this morning is on those things that are intimate and personal. But if you could ask God for anything, anything at all, what would you ask him for? Now, here's, here's the next question. Are you asking him? Are you asking him? The thing that your heart longs for this morning, the thing that your soul longs for this morning, are you taking that to him? Are you asking him for those things? Are you asking and seeking and knocking as he is calling us to do? It's a challenging question, isn't it? Because I think for many Christians, prayer, it's on those list of things that we know we should do, but don't really do. So on the list of things that we know we should be about, but we ourselves are actually not often, often about it. It's a thing that we know more about than we actually practice in, in our own lives. Prayer is a challenge for, for many of us. This week, I was thinking about why that, why that is. Why are we so often slow to pray? And so I asked some honest people. I asked them, why don't you pray? Here's some answers. You ready? See if any of these resonate with you. First, number one, I mean to, but I'm not in a good routine. And once the day gets going, I just don't think about it. Good intentions don't actually translate into changed behavior. Number two, I get distracted. I sit down to pray and I end up scrolling on my phone. Number three, I find prayer boring. I know that sounds terrible, but it's how I feel. Number four, I'm not sure how to do it, so it ends up feeling like a waste of time. Number five, I'm very self-reliant. When something's wrong, I tend to just try and fix it myself. Number six, I think I'm selfish. I will pray when I'm struggling, but not for other people if my life is going well. Number seven, I prayed, but God didn't answer. Now I'm not sure if there's point, much point in praying now. Number eight, I feel like I've forfeited the right to pray. I feel guilty coming to God in prayer. One more, number nine, I guess I just don't really believe that prayer will make a difference. What about you? Which, which ones on, uh, of those lists resonate with you? Perhaps which ones, plural, resonate with, with you? Or maybe there are other things that you would add to the list, things that burden your, your own prayer life. Well, friends, wherever we find ourselves this morning, whether you have never prayed, whether you wish you prayed more, or even if you're in a great place in your, your own prayer life, wherever you are this morning, Jesus is going to encourage us to come. He's going to encourage us to come and pray. That's what this passage is all about. Jesus encourages us to pray. Let's walk through it from beginning to end and capture his encouragement with three different words. Jesus' encouragement to pray, word number one from verses seven and eight is the word invitation. Jesus encourages us to pray by giving us a personal invitation. Look at these verses. Ask 
and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, Jesus says, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Ask, Jesus says. Seek, Jesus says. Knock, Jesus says. And don't you love the progression of, of those terms? Imagine a, a wee boy with his, with his mother. If his mother is right there, then the wee boy can just say, hey, hey, I, I need some help. But if his mother's not right there, maybe he needs to walk down the hallway to, to the living room. Maybe he needs to not just ask, maybe he needs to seek and, and then ask, I, I, need, I need help. But perhaps he walks down the hallway and he doesn't find her there. So he keeps on seeking till he comes to, to, to a bedroom door that's closed. What's he to do then? He's to knock. And then, and then he's to ask, mom, mom, I need, I need help. What's the point? Wherever you are, whether God feels close to you or whether God feels very far away, you're to come and pray. Whatever your circumstances are this morning, you're to come and pray. And don't you just love, I, my heart, Friends, I was encouraged in my heart this week as I reflected upon how Jesus is the one who invites us to pray. Isn't that good news? Um, imagine with me for a second, after the service, I catch you and I say, oh, really good to see you. I was hoping I'd run into you because I've invited, I've invited some of my friends over to your house for Christmas. Right? <laughs> what, are you, what are you gonna say? It's, you're gonna smile and then you're gonna think, wait, this is awkward. He, he has no right. He has no authority to make that invitation. And, and yet here comes Jesus, the one who has all authority to invite us to pray. Firstly, because all authority on heaven and earth belongs to him, to, to him belong all, all power and might and grandeur and splendor and praise. But not only does he have all authority, but he can make this invite because he is the one who has bought us access to pray, bought us access to the father. The gospel would tell us that apart from Christ, we, we can't enter the presence of God. We can't come to God with our, our prayers and our requests and, and our petitions. His, his holiness would, would consume us in, in our sin. And yet through Jesus, we can come. The blood of Christ has opened up our access to the Father. We can now come into his, his presence covered not only with forgiveness in the blood of Jesus, but also with the very righteousness of Christ. That means we call God our father and he treats us as his own. You understand that's what we're doing. See, when we pray in, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of our prayers, you know, this isn't just like awkward exit strategy because we didn't really know how to land the plane of this prayer, Right? Sometimes you hear people pray and you wish they had an exit strategy. You're kind of like, okay, come on. What are we saying here? Right? But, but that's not what we're doing when we say in Jesus' name, amen. What we're saying is in Jesus' name, um, through his authority, by his invitation, covered in his blood and his righteousness, we are bringing our requests before you as, as the father who, who loves us. He has every right to bid us come and he invites us to come. So let's come. Whether God feels near or, or far away, all of us are invited to pray. The second word, Jesus encourages us to pray with an invitation. But secondly, also in these verses, with a promise. A promise. Same verses, emphasis on different words. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock 
and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. To the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus tells us that God answers prayer. Jesus is telling us that God answers prayer. That when you pray, things happen that would not have happened had you not prayed. And so as we reflected on Jesus' teaching on prayer earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, we said that when you you pray, our, our circumstances change. Cancers shrink and marriages are saved and jobs are really found. And children come to faith and our finances come together and justice is done. All kinds of things start to happen when we start to pray. Now, of course, there's some nuance we we could add. Sometimes, yes, God says no to our prayers. Why? Because he's good. If you ask him for a stone, he's still going to give you bread. And if you ask him for a serpent, he's still going to give you a fish. Why? Because he's the God of grace who does what's best for us, irrespective of what we think is best for ourselves. So sometimes God says no. Sometimes, of course, God says wait. Very often we, we think God's saying no when he's actually just saying He's saying, wait, he's building perseverance and endurance in us that will ultimately bring us great hope and and great life. Uh, Sometimes he says, no, sometimes he says, wait. And can we also just be honest and say, um, sometimes we have no idea what he's up to. Why? Because he's God, right? And I don't want, and you don't want, and we together don't want a God that just does everything we think is right. We want a God that is incomprehensible to us, who is in many ways beyond our, our understanding. That, that's the kind of God we want, we want to worship. Now, listen, I hope at some point to preach a sermon on, on unanswered prayer. But today, I don't want to get distracted from the main point of this text. Like, what's the main point of the passage that we're in? Shouldn't be to kind of add too much nuance and caveats to kind of death by a thousand paper cuts to the central point of our text, the central point of this text, which is what God answers prayers. God answers prayers. And very often he answers them just as you prayed them. Ask Jesus says, and it will be given seek and you will find knock and it will be opened. And then he goes on to repeat himself. Whoever asks, receive, whoever seeks, finds, whoever knocks, it will be opened. Earlier we read the great parable of the persistent widow. Don't you just love the creativity of Jesus and the way in which he comes to teach us? And he says, imagine the worst judge ever, the worst judge ever. He, he doesn't fear God and he has no respect for man. And this poor widow comes before this, this judge to, to plead her case, asking for justice before her, her adversary. And the judge isn't interested and he isn't having any of it. And again and again and again, he ignores her, hoping that she'll go away. But what does she do? She keeps on coming. She is persistent in her requests. And so eventually, what does the judge decide? Does he have a a moment of repentance, a, a holy moment of realization that he should be something other than what he is? No, he just says, I'm sick to death of this. And frankly, so that this widow will, will go away and not come back and, and nag me again and again and again. I'm going to grant this, this petition for her, not really for her sake, but, but for my sake. And now Jesus says, if that's how an evil judge behaves, how do you think the perfect judge behaves? 
And don't miss that the most important verse in, in that story is, is, is verse 1. Sometimes the Bible makes it really easy to understand what's being taught. And, and so it is here. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Why does Jesus tell us this great story? Because he's trying to make the point that we should always pray and not lose heart. Why? Because he promises to answer our prayers. He invites us to come and he promises to answer. So let's pray. Let's pray about those things that are on our hearts and our minds. Let's pray and not lose heart. We have a God who loves to answer his children when they pray, which takes us to our third word. Jesus encourages us to pray yes with an invitation, yes with a promise, but also with, with a great assurance. Assurance. Jesus gives us a great assurance. Two words from verses 8 through 11 should give us great confidence to pray. First word comes in verse 8, and it's the word, everyone. Everyone. Isn't this a good word? Everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Do you think this morning, do you think this morning that God's invitation and promise to answer your prayers only somehow applies to other people? It applies to other people who are um, more churchy or more mature or more spiritual or more something other than what you yourself are. Jesus says, God's invitation and promise apply to you. It's for everyone. Maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe you're new to our church. You're just exploring the things of religion. Jesus would say, this gift is a gift for you. You, you can pray. You can talk to God directly in, in Jesus' name. Maybe your prayer life isn't what you feel it ought to be and you wish you prayed, you prayed more. Maybe, friends, you find yourself this morning as one of those who feels that they're not worthy of being heard. Does guilt stop you from coming to the Lord? Do you think of your struggles with pornography and the failures in your marriage or the abortion that you had when you were young and think, I just, I, I can't come before the Lord now. Well, look at what Jesus says. Look at what he says. He says, everyone who asks, seeks and knocks. Everyone. Who's included in everyone? Can you be part of the everyone? If you knew the Greek, you would know that this word in Greek means everyone. <laughs> that means me. <laughs> that means you. That means, that means everyone. Are we, are, we, are we clear on this? Are we, like, are we listening to Jesus when he says everyone that our failures don't keep us from God, but in fact can drive us to God. Mike Iaconelli wrote, God's grace is ridiculously inclusive. Apparently God doesn't care who he loves. He's not very careful about the people he calls his friends or the people he calls his church. Because of grace, this promise is for us because it is for everyone. So, so come, come pray. Second word that gives us great assurance after this word, everyone, is the word in verse 11, Father. 
assurance as we reflect on who we are and that everyone's invited to come, but greater assurance as we reflect upon who God is and that he is our father, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? How do you know that God will answer your prayers? Jesus answers, because you have a father in heaven. You have a father in heaven. Now, we can acknowledge absolutely that some of us have, have a harder time when it comes to this kind of imagery because some of us didn't have great earthly fathers. For some of us, when we hear the word father, we think of an absence. We think of neglect. Some of us think of things perhaps that are that are worse than, than that. And so we come to verses like this, and it's not necessarily very reassuring to think of God as our father. Now, dads, as, as a father myself, as a failing father myself, I find this to be a really motivating concept. I want to love my kids so that they find verses like this really easy to understand. Can we make that our mission, dads? To, to love our kids so that when they, God loves me as a father, that's the most amazing love I know. That, that's, what, that's what I long for, for, for my own children. But the point for now is, is this, whatever kind of father you had, or whatever kind of father you are, the best earthly fathers are evil compared to God. Sort of verse 11 says, isn't it? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven good give, give good things to those who ask him? That the earthly fathers were only ever meant to be an illustration. And even if your own illustration stumbled and was broken in every way, you still have the real thing. You still have what that illustration was meant to point toward, namely a father in heaven who loves you. Jonathan Pennington, who wrote a, a fascinating commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, said of this verse, the emphasis is not on the skill or even the persistence of the seeker in prayer, but on the character of kindness of the heavenly father. You understand what, what we're getting at? We're saying, how do you know God will answer your prayers? Well, it's really got nothing to do with how good your prayers are. What it has to do with is how good your God is. And so we can reflect that um, our stumblings and our failings, and our, like our badness shouldn't keep us from prayer because it is his goodness that is our hope in prayer. This is the assurance that we, that we get. Um, we can come because we have a father who delights to answer our prayers. We have a father who knows what's good for us. You have a father who wants what's best for us. We have a father who knows how to love us and how to love us well. So come and ask him, everyone. Assurance, everyone, come to the father. Come and pray. So if you could ask God for anything, anything at all, what, what would it be? This week, come pray. Come pray. Jesus encourages us to do just that by inviting us to pray, by promising that he'll answer, and by giving us the assurance 
that these promises are true for me and they're true for you. Amen. Father, we thank you for this section of your word. And Lord, we, we do need your help when it comes to a life of prayer. Um, so many of us, Lord, have found this to be an area of challenge. And many of us, Lord, have found it to be an area of great disappointment. And so we need you to, to transform us by renewing our, our minds. Rewire these brains of ours so that we would hear this invitation, that we would hear these promises, we would hear this great assurance, and that we would then begin to pray. Father, I ask that um, we pray that you would make us want to pray and that we would enjoy the intimacy with you that comes in result. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.